Hello and welcome to Overdrive, where we cover everything to do with motoring and transport, from the sublime to the ridiculous. I'm David Brown, and in this program we look at news stories from around the world, including the best method for detecting fatigue driving. We road test the delectable Jaguar F-Type Coupe Supercharged V8, We also test the Ford Territory, the last model to be built in Australia. And in our panel discussion with Errol Smith and Brian Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories, including the new car for CEOs. It's a van. Now, have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now, let's get the program going. First, the news. Fatigue is a major cause of fatalities and injuries on the road. Research shows drivers are very poor at gauging their sleepiness before being involved in an accident. To detect if a driver is fatigued, many previous studies have focused on measuring psychophysiological factors, including driver eye movements, muscle activity and changes in heart rate to determine alertness. However, the biometric measurements have been shown to be inaccurate at times and intrusive to a driver's actions. Researchers at Clemson in South Carolina have determined that a reliable and less intrusive way to detect fatigue or drowsiness in a driver is to monitor vehicle behaviour rather than the biometrics of the person behind the wheel. Driving performance was measured for lateral lane position, lane heading and vehicle heading using GPS. Many of us have experienced the return trip effect. This is when you go to an unfamiliar destination and come back again. It often seems like the way back takes less time than the initial trip, even though you travelled the same distance. Now, a Japanese study suggests that the return trip effect has something to do with hindsight and storytelling, the way people use language to look back on an experience and remember. One explanation is that the return trip effect has to do with paying attention to time itself. When you pay more attention to time passing, let's say you're late and keep checking your watch or phone, time seems to take forever. But when you're distracted by other more interesting things, time passes quickly. Jaguar Land Rover has built a prototype Range Rover Sport that can be driven from outside the car via a smartphone app, though a little more sedately than James Bond did in Tomorrow Never Dies. The smartphone app includes control of steering, accelerator and brakes, as well as changing from high and low range. This would allow the driver to walk alongside the car, at a maximum speed of 4 miles an hour, to manoeuvre their car out of challenging situations safely, or even to negotiate difficult off-road terrain. They have also developed the multi-point turn system, which is capable of autonomously manoeuvring through 180 degrees to turn the car in the road and point the car in the opposite direction. The system uses sensors to assess available space and to avoid pedestrians, vehicles and other objects. The system takes over gear selection, steering, braking and acceleration to make as many forward and backward movements as necessary to achieve the manoeuvre. The advent of the plug-in hybrid car might change our thinking about engines. Currently, a plug-in hybrid uses a normal off-the-shelf petrol or diesel engine to generate power for the batteries. 
but to be a power generator does not require the functional level that an engine needs to drive a car on its own. So we might start to develop different styles of engine. At the least, we are starting to see designs of engines that are made to run at constant revs, or we may see the revival of the rotary engine. A more radical departure is the third generation micro turbines as used by Californian company Wrightspeed. It weighs approximately one tenth as much as a normal petrol counterpart for the same power output. The UK Department of Transport is looking to develop a vibrating wristband design for bus passengers into a viable product. The winner of the All Aboard competition is an inexpensive Bluetooth operated wristband for visually or hearing impaired bus passengers that vibrates when the bus is near their stop. The driver gives them a band when they board and puts their stop into his system. The system then doubles as a reminder to both the driver and passenger when the stop is approaching. Local car sharing rent-a-car businesses are gaining popularity, and it is proving particularly successful in Germany, where car makers themselves are keen to get a slice of the action. The first car sharing firm in Germany was set up in Berlin in 1988, starting out with a single car. By last year, there were as many as 140 operators, with 1.04 million registered users and a total combined pool of 15,400 vehicles. Car sharing has been slower to catch on in other European countries. In Italy, there are around 250,000 customers, and in France and Britain, around 200,000 each. Further afield, there are around 700,000 users in Japan, which started car sharing schemes in 2007 and 1.3 million in the United States, according to recent data published by the University of California in Berkeley. Oh, it was lovely. The Jaguar F-Type Coupe. I have driven the V6 supercharged convertible when it was first released a little while ago now, but now I have I have driven the hardtop coupe, this time with the option of the supercharged V8 and the R version in t- on top of that. In summary, heaps of power, raucous noise, stunning looks, and the V6 starts from a lowly, if I can use that expression, of just under $120,000 and goes all the way up to the V8 all-wheel drive at just under $243,000. Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au has also been driving one, and he joins us on the line. Paul, it's simply not good enough to say that the noise was loud. No, David, it was more than loud. I think I said in my story, it, it puts out a noise of Wagnerian ferocity. It's like listening to a, a, a Wagner opera at full volume. And then when you back off, it goes, it bangs and pops like a bikey war in Ligon Street. It is the most amazing noise I've heard in a long time. <laughs> uh, we have a tunnel near us, and the 14-year-old insists on winding the windows down and getting me to stay in first gear as we uh, go through it. And I've got to say, it, it's, it, it's a cacophony of sound that is just unbelievable. It is. And it's not just 14-year-olds who, who wind the windows <laughs> down either, David. It's 40-year-olds and 70-year-olds. And I even know one bloke who's 80 who had to wind the windows down as we went through a tunnel. 
It, it, it is just amazing. Uh, horsepower, uh, the V8 supercharged, 404 kilowatts. I think that's about <clears throat> about four times the horsepower of my son's Hyundai i30. <laughs> Uh, so he did find it uh, sitting in the passenger seat to be a little different. Um, it's certainly enough. But uh, uh, getting the power to the ground, it's pretty good. It's It can be a challenge. I must admit, I had the misfortune of driving that car. It was raining here when I was driving it here in Adelaide. And keeping it in a straight line was a bit of a challenge. The back wheels seemed to want to constantly overtake the front wheels. Well, that had something to do with the pressure on the throttle, of course. But in <laughs> dynamic mode, which tightens everything up, it, I've got to tell you, in the wet, it's almost undrivable. Um, mm. You know, for self-preservation, you'd very quickly put it back into normal mode. I found that the uh, electronic stability to control came in rather sharply at times. And in fact, while I was half correcting it, it suddenly came in and pushed me a bit. Um, you know, I found it uh, pushing me at, at angles that I wasn't quite prepared for. I'm not saying it was wrong. I just found that getting ad- adjusted to it uh, was uh, a, a bit difficult. It is. I uh, Interestingly enough, I had a similar situation last week where I was driving a BMW, and I honestly thought, this is a top-of-the-range BMW, the 6 Series, and I honestly thought that too, the, the traction controls and, and the nanny state stuff cutting way too early. But then, of course, mm. we were driving it probably harder, and you were probably driving the Jaguar harder than most people do. And it's a, it's a really reassuring thing to know that they cut in actually before they necessarily need to. Um, mm. So for most people, and I'm not being rude when I say most people, but for most mm. people, the level of, of intervention comes at the right time before they get themselves into trouble from which they can't extricate themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, it's just really getting used to something that just has a ballistic uh, performance about it. I mean, accelerating in a straight line is just heaven. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. I um, I actually said driving that car is is one of those cars where you need to concentrate 100% of the time, uh, and mm. give it 100% concentration, uh, mm. and that's of course how we should be driving all the time. But we tend not to. Uh, yes. I can't imagine what it would be like to try and drive the Jaguar F Type R if it didn't have those things looking after us while we were driving. I think it would be it would be a frightening experience to try and do it without the electronic controls. Yeah, it, uh, uh, yeah. I think it's uh, it, it is a safety feature. There's no doubt about it. It's all very well to know exactly where you are and what you're doing, but it's the unexpected as well. You exactly. know, the corner tightens up a little bit. Um, it's a bit tighter than you thought. Any of those things uh, to, to have something that will uh, help save you, I think, was is not a bad idea at all. The looks on the outside. Uh, I, th- I find the back of it particularly as has its own characteristic. It does. It's quite different from the convertible, um, but it still has those lovely, those lovely slim, almost blade-like tail lights. Um, Ian Callum is, is just a master of, of beautiful design, um, and anyone who doubts that British sports cars have, have lost their way just has to look at either the convertible or the coupe, but particularly the coupe. It just everything's so balanced, and there's almost there's almost not a bad angle. Paul, it's always good to talk to you. I appreciate your comments and uh, your time. Thanks very much. Thank you, David. That's uh, Paul Morell from PracticalMotoring.com.au, and we were talking about the F-Type Jaguar, particularly the V8R version, supercharged V8, a lovely car.
And you can hear a longer interview by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. Overdrive, answering your questions across Australia. The Ford Territory, a large SUV, was launched onto the Australian market firstly in 2004, which was good timing really because the SUV market was beginning to boom. It was critically acclaimed, particularly at the time, for its ride and handling. Pretty good room, including the third row of seats, I seem to remember, when it was first launched as well. Significantly, they up, uh, reworked it in 2011. Now, for 2015 model, it has a modest makeover. In summary, still a highly credible ride and handling vehicle, petrol and diesel options, two- and four-wheel drive, priced between 37.5 to nearly 58, plus on-roads, of course, Getting a bit old and the opposition has caught up quite a bit, but it still outsells a number of good competitors. I had a drive of the top of the range Titanium the other day and Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury has taken a spin in quite a number of models. And so we've got him on the line to talk about a few details. Brent, this upgrade of the new territory was a bit overshadowed when it came out by the launch of the new Falcon. Yeah, it was, David. It was overshadowed. Well, there, look, let, let's, let's be clear. There, there are a couple of things. It was overshadowed by the launch of the Falcon. Um, there's the fact that we, we know that Falcon and Territory are heading to the Knackers Yard. And, and there's also the fact, and this really, really gripes me, is that the Territory, as you said, has been around since Adam was a boy, basically as the same car. It was 400 years ago. And, and that really annoys me. All, all the other competitors have moved on. Uh, they might re retain some of the looks of the previous models just to make the, the, the punters happy and, and keep the family heritage going. But Territory is essentially an old case. It's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, well, I think that's right. I think it's showing its age in terms of style, but it's still a, a fit 50-year-old, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know, but dynamically it's not as energetic as it used to be. Okay, yeah. Look, yeah, that, 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 that's just my take on it. I mean, it's still, as you say, it's a fit 50-year-old, but, but even fit 50-year-olds yeah. have their drawbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I was being metaphoric there. Oh, of course, than... of course, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, it feels like 50. Uh, those, uh, the differences that it came out with on the outside, you know, a new grille, I think uh, a bit more chrome, a front bumper bar, redesigned headlights, uh, nothing really much there. But uh, inside, I think a little bit of technology, the Sync 2 connectivity system. I think uh, makes it a little better. Yeah, look, the, the electronic upgrades are good. The front and rear parking sensors, the camera, you know, the, the rear view camera, the the buzzer, the beepers, the bells and whistles, the the anti lock brakes, the dynamic stability control with rollover mitigation, and the, all of this sort of stuff. And, and it's nice. Yes, it is nice. And the car itself is still nice. It is. It has inherited similar changes to Falcon, but. Yeah, we're still looking at old tech. I'm sorry, I'm going, I'm going to keep coming back to this. I'm going to keep harping on it because, in, in my opinion, Ford had a great thing happening and kind of blew it. 
it really did well. I, I think uh, even now it's uh, probably selling more than Falcon. I mean, it, it has been a good car for them. It has been a good car. And, and when they put the uh, 2.7-litre V6 uh, turbo diesel in it, that was a real shot in the arm. I mean, that was an amazing engine for that car. Had they done the right thing, they probably should have pulled the 4-litre um, six-cylinder petrol engine out of it and said, look, V6 diesel is all you get. I mean, it's, it's a great engine. And, and with the six-speed automatic transmission, fantastic. You know, I don't know, personally, I don't know why you would want to drive the, the four-litre six-cylinder when that, that little diesel is available. You no, know, I, I thought beauty, nice and quiet, uh, easy to drive. You had to think whether you were in a diesel or not. Exactly right. And when it came to, um, to, to towing, uh, you know, it was just a, a lovely piece of kit. Mm. The new uh, gearbox, lightweight version of the ZF6 Speed, is actually made in China. But uh, it, it is good, it's more efficient and has reduced the fuel consumption by 0.2 litres per hundred. But at least it's uh, going in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Hmm. So I, I I thought it it matched well and 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 performed well. It was easy, to, as I say, easy to drive. Oh yeah. Look, it, let's let's not get get um, too overcomplicated here. It is still a very nice car to drive in much the same way as um, the the current Falcon is a very nice car to drive. Um, hmm. Yeah. Let, let's not argue that. And and there's there's plenty of plenty of juice in those engines. I mean, you know, we talk about 195 kilowatts from the uh, from the six cylinder engine as an example, and uh, 100. 40 kilowatts from the diesel so they're not lacking and when we talk about torque which is when it comes to diesels that's the all important uh, thing to look at 440 newton meters of torque mm. compared to 391 newton meters for the uh, the four liter six cylinder engine if you want to tow a caravan this is a, this is the thing to do it with because you can unhitch it like you see a lot of caravans on the road they're being towed by cars that are patently too small to tow them or, or they're being towed by quasi trucks so when you actually unhitch the caravan on, drive the thing around. Uh, if, if it's a quasi truck, you have a very uncomfortable thing to live with for, for quite a period of time. With the Territory, you don't have that. You still have a very comfortable sedan-like SUV to, to, to roll around in, and, and that's a nice thing. All right, my friend. Thanks again. It's always my pleasure, and we'll see you next week. Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury talking about the Ford Territory Large SUV. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. And now it's time to have a bit of a chat about a few things that have come up that aren't necessarily the main serious issues, more a little light-hearted. And to help me do that this week, again, I'm joined by Brian Smith. G'day, Brian. G'day, David. And Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. Now, there's a story that comes out of India uh, where there's a, a guy by the name of Dilip Chabria uh, who's an, a GM engineer and he's um, discreetly visible, so to speak, across India because his firm is designing Toyota Highland, Highlanders. Now, the Highlander we call the Kluger here in Australia, which sounds a little bit like a German military weapon, really, doesn't it? The Kluger. But the Highlander, a, a sort of largish uh, SUV, and he fits out the interiors for chief 
bosses or CEOs and things, general managers. And so that it has things like Wi-Fi, touchscreen TV, soundproofing, airline pod style seats, um, obviously something where they can work while they're in the car. Gentlemen, is this a trend for the future? If you had to have an executive car, would you spend some big money, not on a Mercedes sedan, but one of these vehicles? Well, David, from the inside, looks fantastic. Step mm. outside, th- <laughs> it looks like a big van. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, well, some of them, some of them, they are using a Mercedes, but it's a van. Yeah. Yes. The Cadillac Escalade is uh, a lot of rappers use these things, so they are quite stylish and and fashionable. They're a hideously ugly vehicle, but um, yes. but you know those that fashionable. Yeah, they're fashionable among a group of people who don't understand fashion, I suppose. But uh, yeah, look, they look like the. I guess they're getting their design cues from um, a personal jet, an executive jet. Yeah, that, that's no, what like it looks it. like on the on the inside. It reminds me yeah, of a, roomy, of a private, private, private jet. Yeah. Yeah, yes. it's got a lot of mod cons. Uh, if you're stuck in traffic, why not? Uh, the thing is that uh, it's been found that traffic and congestion has been going up, particularly in areas that are associated with modern you know, digital and other types of technology. Yep. And, you know, like uh, Austin and uh, Seattle and San Jose. Now, the interesting thing about that is this then ties over to autonomous vehicles. Yes, because if you have an office that you can work in, this is the principle, then you can get a couple of hours work and, and still live a fair way away from the office. Yeah, well, that's uh, not Dave, very sustainable, though, is it, David? The idea that oh, no. you're encouraging people to travel further because they can do, you know, they can make it part of their normal day. Mm. Absolutely the problem with autonomous vehicles. Mm. Yes, but, but David, some of these, um, these hotted up, sort of, well, pimped up vehicles are upwards of half a million dollars each. So if you can afford one of these, you can generally afford your own driver, which is, of course, what they're doing. Yes, but, that might um, be true too. But um, that driver would work all day then, wouldn't it? Not yeah. just drive you in the morning and hang around. Yeah. So, I mean, they, these are really meant to be a, a fully-fledged office. Uh, on wheels, but um, some of them they've they've sort of extended, so they've sort of taken a bit of the sort of the camper van sort of stuff, and uh, mm. they even have a bathroom. Um, I think Toilet. that's actually a really good idea. I'd, I'd actually like to have a full bathroom with a shower and a wardrobe, <laughs> so that way I can shower and dress on the way to work, because then I wouldn't have mm. to do that stuff at home. You certainly need a mm. driver for that, I suspect. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I, could, I could just say, you know, goodbye, dear, and jump straight out of bed. In your pajamas. Uh, Jeeves will, Jeeves, will, yeah. Jeeves will drive me to uh, off to the office uh, away away and um, mm. just do, you know, shower, get changed, have some breakfast, mm. uh, do a bit of office work and then you're at work. Done. The other thing is you don't necessarily just have to drive to the office. You could drive to a nice lookout for a while and, uh, and, and open the side window and enjoy the view. There you go. So for those people who can't afford to have, you know, a multi-story top and your line sort of penthouse uh, office, might be able to do it. Now, Brian, you you work in an environment where people don't have their own desks, do they? Yeah, you can right. wander around. Yes, you can choose wherever you want to work. Well, this this will allow you to choose overlooking the ocean. Yes, like, look, drive. You know, Tahiti looks nice. That sort of yeah. stuff. Remember that, David? Those ads? Did, yes, I do remember the ad for soap, wasn't yes, it? Yes, they were in a bath in their mm. private jet. Did you see the lovely story, the, the, the funniest thing, one of these guys who makes these sorts of cars, the particular re- requirement that one person wanted? 
I didn't and see that it. was to put an exercise bike in one of those <laughs> so things. <laughs> so, so rather than just riding to work on a bike, he's right. Americans he's, don't understand the word irony. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's exercising in the back of a truck, which is driving him to work. <laughs> yes. Uh, I guess you can get an interesting view through the front, through the windscreen, you know, to give you the real sense you're on the Tour de France or something. <laughs> Yeah, it'd make going up hills much easier, of course. But uh, yeah, it, it reminds me of that that great cartoon, which has a guy sitting in a big American car, and beside him is a guy pedalling on a bicycle, and the guy in the car says to himself, "Boy, what a waste of energy." <laughs> Still, um, yeah, one hundred and fifty to three hundred fifty thousand US dollars, half a million Australian dollars uh, or so. Um, it's not an easy thing, but uh, uh, still. Brian, a story. Auckland Police, David, uh, released a photograph of a of a driver that they had caught in the uh, T2 transit lane uh, with a dummy as a passenger. So this was the uh, a mannequin style dummy, not uh, you know a uh, you know a, a political An imbecile leader yeah. from from New Zealand. But um, uh, he, this person had dressed the dummy in a, a cap and sunglasses. Strangely, they'd bandaged the face for some reason. Uh, and a denim shirt. And what I like this about this, a lot of people do this. This person got caught, you know, having the, the fake person to help them use the transit lane. But uh, the, the lovely excuse they gave when, um, when they were sprung, they said that it was the first time they'd done it. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd never right. done it before. Hoping to get <laughs> off, I suppose. But, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a good piece of embarrassment uh, and uh, just rubbing in the fact that, look, you know, if you... If you want to use the carpool lane, then carpool. He's got a bandaged head. I thought he looked like the Invisible Man. Yes, it does no, look a bit like the Invisible Man. The I thought this, which is an irony, really. <laughs> I think because it drew more attention. Be, yes. The, the thing is, it's almost like, I, I'm not sure who's the dummy here. I think it's actually the driver because this is the the most conspicuous <laughs> yes. um, fake passenger I think I've ever seen. I mean, why wouldn't you just get a regular mannequin and leave it as is? Yes. They you might know. have got a cheap one that was damaged or something. People frightened. I, w- I want to know where they keep them. <laughs> yes. Where, 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 where well, do you keep these things? You know, do you put them in the hall when you get home? Perhaps you and, keep them you know, in the people... boot. They, you wouldn't want to be put, pulled over by the police. <laughs> Just open the boot. as as a bandage figure in the back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. It's uh, always lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, David. No worries, David. And that's uh, Brian Smith and Errol Smith talking some more unusual stories in uh, the subjects that which we know, think we know a little about, that of motoring and transport. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Brian Smith, Paul Morell, Brent Davidson and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>